And here is your host, Dr. Tony Beam. If only I could grow a beard and look like Tony Beam, Dave Wilson in... Your voice has to go deeper. Oh, that's true. I can't do the deep voice this morning. We got to turn it up. Yes, you got to turn it up because you are listening to Christian Worldview. Dave Wilson and Justin Hall from Palmetto Family in for our good friend and chairman, Dr. Tony Beam, who is in Washington, D.C. for the March for Life. Great opportunity for him to be up there as they talk about a number of different policies that we need to be moving forward on in the pro-life movement. We are going to go deeper into that a little bit later on in this hour. But first, Justin, yes, we really need to talk about cleaning out the garage. Okay. You, <laughs> oh, wait, have, have you ever had one of those moments where your wife has said to you, Hey, listen, you need to go and clean up some section of the house or yes. your mama did that or whatever. Yes. Okay. So somewhere along the way, I guess maybe it was Jill says to Joe, Joey, Hey, Joey. No, his dad's called him Joey. Jill doesn't call him Joey. What does Jill call and him? I, and, and, and how dare you? Respect the title. It's Dr. Jill Biden. Doctor. Okay, so Dr. She's Jill Biden. The greatest Biden. doctor in the history of the world. This is true because she teaches at a... I'm not going there. Stop. On that note... There are very few There are very Dr. few doctors better than Dr. Jill, Jill Biden. Biden says, I mean, to, says to him he needs to go clean out the garage. <laughs> but she doesn't send him. She actually sends lawyers in to clean out the garage because they actually did send in lawyers to clean out Joe Biden's garage because that's where he kept classified documents in a box in a locked garage with his classic Corvette. Corvette. It, it, that's uh, the cranking up for the day. Listen, who doesn't keep their classified top secret documents next to the Corvette? I do. It's in a locked garage. It's, locked. it's, not, on, it's not on the street. And it's not like, listen, it's not like somebody who has nefarious business dealings in other countries was living there and paying $59,000 in rent per month. Don't talk about Hunter that way. Hunter has some complexes, too. Okay? <laughs> I wonder, did Hunter ever drive the Corvette? It if, has no... if, if, if Hunter drove the Corvette, the Corvette still wouldn't be there. This is true. It would <laughs> the hop... Corvette would have been wrecked or sold. Uh, That's true. I, I'm not being mean to the, to the young man, but he's, he's busy in court. Yes, yes. There, there's several issues that are going on. But the president, I, I do want to get yes. to the president because, uh, in, in order to avoid the controversy that is docudrama, I'm calling it docudrama. I like it better than docugate. Uh, TM. I just copied it. Docudrama. Yeah, docudrama. TM. Uh, so I thought that was the crown. <laughs> it's a verbal trademark. Okay. So yes. In order to do that, the president went to Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was the pastor there for a while. Right. Uh, now it's Senator Raphael Warnock. Um, Does he have time to do that in his other job? Who cares? Okay. Um, that's his response, not mine. Oh, so okay. he speaks there. And then the next day, he's at the National Action Network uh, conference thing, Majig. Uh, the president had a couple of things to say. We covered a lot of this on our podcast yesterday. Um, if you want to go back and watch that on Palmetto Family's Facebook page. But I just want to mention here... I encourage you sometimes not to watch the clips, but rather read the White House transcripts. They are so much better sometimes. Um, he he. The president talked about like an assault weapons ban. Uh, uh, do you know what line he used? Do you no. know what line he used to talk about assault weapons ban? What did he say? There's no social redeeming value. The deer aren't wearing Kevlar vests. Like, ah, 
Um, oh, did he use the Kevlar vest with the deer thing again? I love my right-wing friends who talk about the tree of liberty is watered with the blood of patriots. Give me a, if you need, I'm reading this verbatim. Give me a, if you need to worry about taking on the federal government, you need some F-15s. You don't need an AR-15. I'm serious. Think about it. Think about the rationale for this. It's about money. Money, money, money. Um, really quick. Uh, the Tree of Liberty is watered with the blood of patriots. That's why the blood of patriots in the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War One, World War II, uh, the Korean, the Vietnam, the Afghanistan and Iraq Wars, all of them uh, have protected liberty and freedom and promoted democracy across the world, ending uh, the advancement of Nazism, fascism, and communism, also imperialistic governments like Great Britain. So, sir, uh, yeah, take a history lesson between your episodes of Matlock. Also, he's, he talks about F-15s. You need F-15s to take on the federal government. I raised this point yesterday, and I'm going to raise it today. Yes. And I'm not saying either one is correct. So okay. let me let me, let me me premise with neither one of these are good things. But this is the same president who months ago said that folks walking through the Capitol on January 6, 2021, again, right or wrong, were a major threat to democracy, and our democracy almost failed. Like they almost stole our democracy from us. You mean the guy they wearing were not, the, the, the... The Viking, Viking horn, horn? Viking horn guy. Right. Unarmed, and the only person seminal threat had, to democracy. And the only person who actually died was Ashley Babbitt, unarmed a protester, unarmed. Right. Okay. He says that that's a great threat to democracy, but also if you're going to take on the government, you're going to need more than an AR-15, man. So what's he saying? Ah, dumb citizen, you you won't you won't stop the government. Not with an AR-15. Oh no, not no. at all. Uh, together we're saying out loud and we're saying clearly that in America hate will not prevail. Well, that's good. <laughs> I'm sorry, I hadn't read this yet. This is a fresh reaction from me. As my dad used to say, but it's not original to him, he'd say, he'd say, Joey, silence is complicity. Really? Really, Joe? Your dad said that in 1872, silence is complicity? Really? This is the same dad who said, who that saw... Two, yeah, that two homosexual men kissing on a park bench is love. Yes, in yes. 1872. Uh, he evokes Emmett Till. Um, let's see... He talks about House Republicans being uh, being fiscally demented. And if anyone knows anything about dementia. But, um, <laughs> according to the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, this one bill alone will add $114 billion to the deficit. This is their first bill. And they campaigned on inflation? <laughs> He's saying they're making inflation worse. Oh, that's excellent. So when you have a—here's your problem. I'm not ragging on the president. Because trust me, uh, if you think I'm sycophantic, just wait until later in the hour. But um, this is a man who used the day of honoring the legacy of Martin Luther King to further divide Americans on both racial and political lines, saying that if you own an AR-15, I know plenty of people who own AR-15. Yeah. I know plenty of them. Uh, I promise you they're not pseudo-terrorists. They are not anarchists. They don't want to overthrow the government. They don't even want to shoot other people. They just like having guns. And according to the Second Amendment, they're allowed to have them. And contrary to the president, the Second Amendment, when it was written, also included a cannon. It did. <laughs> I mean, you could have one of those two if you wanted. The point is, he used a day that could have united Americans, which he said he was going to do in his inaugural speech. He used a day to divide people. And again, I just wish... We could somewhere, somehow, someway, someday have a leader that actually unites Americans. Well, this that we can actually come together on issues. Reagan yeah. says that the person who agrees with you 80% of the time is not an enemy. It's not 20% your enemy. He is your friend. 
Well, this is the place where, you know, I, I really get frustrated listening to Joe Biden because he gets into this this complete divisiveness. And he talks about being the president of the United States of America. And yet, if you have a different letter behind your name or your cap is that you wear is a certain color, or if you are wanting certain laws to be passed, then all of a sudden you're the enemy. And he has done nothing truly to get out of rhetorical campaign mode to be able to do nothing other than mock, reduce people's thoughts and ideas down to, you know, what did he call the, the, uh, the congressman who wanted to change? They were the phrase he just used a little while ago. Silence complicity? No, the other one where he talked about the fact that they were just, they had lost their minds. Or something. Oh, uh, fiscally demented. Fiscally demented. There's yeah. just a place in there where you go, Joe. But he wants to work with them. He, he, he always wants to say that he wants to work with them. I want to work with them, but they're physically demented. Or <laughs> fiscally <laughs> demented. Some people are mentally demented in that conversation, I do believe. Well, this, this whole division thing started a couple of presidents ago when uh, one president said, there aren't red states or blue states. We're the United States. And there's your impression for the day. There you are. Uh, you, you'll get more. Um, and and then goes on to just completely wreck that um, and divide Americans in ways we haven't seen and haven't recovered from since. I really do believe that we are probably in the most divisive political position that we have been in in decades. I think it's getting – I feel like it's getting worse. There's a story we're going to be covering probably tomorrow to talk about – divisiveness that is happening in school board races and school board actions because people are not wanting you to take a conservative standpoint. Right. And that's, you know, the reality is if you're listening to this program, you are one of those grass tops people. You probably are the person that somebody calls a few <laughs> days before the election and says, uh, the night before, who do, who do I need to vote for? Which is <laughs> Tell me who I, to vote for. Yeah. I'll tell you, but. That's, that's great because you're informed, you know the issues, you know what's going on. You are part of the solution and you recognize the fact that we need to be living in the United States of America. If you don't like the policies that go on in South Carolina, guess what? There are 49 other states that you can live in and still be part of this big idea we call the United States of America. I do not agree with Gavin Newsom and the the policies that are in uh, California. I don't agree with the governor of New York, but I also don't always agree with everything that goes on in our state either. But I do like where we live, and I do like the fact that together as a large country with you know 300 and almost 350 million people we're able to stand together and stop trying to divide ourselves between blue and red between republican and democrat well i i think again we can we can talk about the different issues but there are some issues like like i even us will agree on most things. We might disagree on tax policy. Right. We might disagree on how our money should I be spent. Less, I, don't, I want less taxes. I mean, I want to pay less taxes yes. personally, but uh, right. maybe I could just be George Santos and not pay them. Uh, but Ooh. there's there are certain things that we can disagree on, even across the aisle. I think Republicans and Democrats can disagree, but we can always look at the results and come to a reasonable conclusion on tax policy or whether to go to war, whatever, those things. But there are some things that are not debatable. Uh, life, 
right? Uh, allowing children to be mutilated, mutilated. like uh, 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 those things aren't debatable. Those are the big issues. Those are the up here top shelf issues. Right. Bottom shelf issues. We're letting sometimes we're letting bottom shelf issues divide us when they shouldn't, and taking our eye off the ball on the top shelf issues that are infinitely and eternally more important. Right. Because that is where I think. We get ourselves so caught up, Justin, on the minutia of things, and we miss the big picture. We might, no kidding. We might get called <laughs> even, you know, if, if you have a different viewpoint on something, people might look at you and call you disloyal because you're looking at something from a different standpoint. We appreciate you joining us here on Christian Worldview. Justin Hall, Dave Wilson from Palmetto Family Council. If you like, for whatever reason you want to hear more of us, you can do that (laughs) by listening to the Palmetto Family Matters podcast, the fastest growing conservative podcast in South Carolina. But happy to make the drive up from uh, Lexington County up to Greenville this morning. I did at least Uh, make mine up last night. You did. I I was the first person in line today at the coffee shop <laughs> to get my coffee I was on surprised the they were in. open that early. 5 a.m., man. Man. 5 a.m., that's the earliest I've ever driven through Harbison. Not as much traffic <laughs> as 5 p.m. This is true. Um, so we talked about disloyal before the break, and we, we've, we've talked about this a little bit, uh, but I want to get into it. And again, I'm going to make sure that you understand right off the top, I am not a sycophant. I am not a never-Trumper. Um, he actually got my vote twice. Um, and widely supportive of his policies uh, when he was president. Thought he did a great job on many things. Think, I think in hindsight, could have done a lot better um, as, we, as we kind of... Uh, but again, what the old saying is hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. Um, but this is interesting. Uh, this came out... Uh, today is the 19th. This story came out on the 17th. Former President Donald Trump is questioning the loyalty of past allies in the evangelical community. I'm assuming that would be you if you're listening to Christian View. Uh, when Probably Trump so. appearing on the Real America's Voice program, The Water Cooler, was asked his thoughts on evangelical leaders' hesitance to once again throw their support behind the former president. And he said, quote, I don't really care. It's a sign of disloyalty is what he says. I won't do that. I, if you I read do every, the whole thing. I could. You could. I could. There's great disloyalty in the world of politics, and that's a sign of disloyalty because nobody, nobody has done more for right to life than Donald Trump. No one, so let me, let me back that up. No, he said, and I quote, nobody has ever done more for right to life than Donald Trump. Let, and and, let, and okay. you took a bit of umbrage. Let's, let's take, well, there's this. Many different sides of this, okay? One of the biggest things that has happened since Donald Trump was elected president, he did have three Supreme Court nominees that he was able to appoint. All three of them core conservatives on the court. So we now have a predominantly conservative Supreme Court. It is a balance, a true balance of power. And the first time we've in decades that we have had a conservative leaning constitutionally appropriated thought process in our Supreme Court. Yes. That most is consequential important. president in regards to life issues. Most consequential president. president. Right. Because in president. being able to appoint those folks to the Supreme Court on June 24th of last year, we saw the Dobbs decision yeah, come should down. Should we say kudos to Lindsey Graham as well? Do we? Lindsay. Lindsay was on the... Lindsay was on the Judiciary Committee. Correct. Still is. Still is. Still has power. 
Just, yeah. Still has a seat at the table. He'll be with Donald Trump on January 28th he in Colombia. He will be with. He, right, because the former president has finally decided that he is going to come out of the not doing any campaigning cocoon and is going to Columbia, South Carolina. He'll be at the State House January the 28th with Senator Lindsey Graham, Governor Henry McMaster. And so the question becomes one, will the backlash of his comments about evangelicals, because not only did he say, Justin, that he was the most consequential person when it comes to right to life, he also flipped the tables and blamed evangelicals for the turnout, which was the red trickle. It wasn't a red wave. It wasn't a red flow. It was just a red, it was barely a red trickle. And he blames evangelicals and the abortion issue for the fact that we did not have an overwhelming win in the House vote in 2022. You know, it's really interesting that you would, in a in a run for president again, try to do something that hasn't been done in a really long time, and that's be president, lose an election, and then win another election well, with a, with a four-year gap in between. Last president to do that? Grover Cleveland. Bingo. Bingo. Uh, we were having trivia time before the show started yes, as well. Uh, fun time. Uh, this is what the pre- former president said. I was a little disappointed because I thought they could have fought much harder during the election, during the 2022 election. But with all of that being said, There's nobody who has done more for the movement than I have, and that includes the movement of evangelicals and Christians and the movement very much of right to life. The former president says there nobody, there's nobody who's done more for the movement than I have, and that includes the movement of evangelicals and Christians as well as the right to life. Now, again, if you want to block out the evangelical voter block, do that at your own peril. But I, I'm interested in this because I like to think logically through these things. And he says that no one has done more for the movement of evangelicals and Christians. Now, I just writ up, wrote up a list, writ it up too. I just wrote up a list in the last two minutes. Yes. This is in no particular order. All right. Paul the Apostle. Maybe. Peter. Peter. Yeah. Charles Spurgeon. Okay. Oswald Chambers. C.S. Lewis. Billy Graham. Chuck Smith. George Whitfield. I'm leaving off a ton of names. That's those are the people that came to mind quickly. You mean Donald Trump didn't top that list? I'm at number nine, and I haven't gotten there yet. Again, Martin Luther King. There's another one. Um, I'm working through that list right now. I'll have more for you later. Um, I find it very discouraging that you would castigate, and I mean that wholeheartedly. That you would castigate Christians. Because they won't pledge loyalty to you. Well, one commentator put it this way. He said, finally, think how stupid it is for Trump to run left on the pro-life issue. This is the biggest win of his presidency. Huge vested goodwill from pro-lifers. And what does he do? He calls them quizlings and says they're too radical. Very dumb. Yeah, he did say that uh, the reason why the 2022 elections didn't go better for House Republican races or the Senate Republican races is because people were all or nothing and didn't have didn't put didn't promote exceptions for rape, incest, and life of the mother. And I'm thinking, um, did you follow any of the state bills that were put forward in South Carolina or any other? Because those exceptions were all in any of those uh, across the country. By the way, I just don't understand. I, I get listen. He's who he is, and I have no problem. Listen, honestly, I have no problem with him. I've never met him. I don't really, you know, he doesn't have anything against me. Uh, but you can't castigate an entire group of people and then expect them to turn around. And pledge their loyalty to you 
after you called him disloyal. Maybe, just maybe, there are some of us who are saying, you know what? Let's see the process play out. Let's go through primaries. Let's go through debates. Let's go through some forums. Let's let's talk about the issues. Where do you fall on the issues? This isn't about what you've done, which is great. The, the 2020 election was a referendum on what you had done, for the most part. Now, as we look to 2024, Mr. President, former president, it's your job to paint a picture of what you want America to look like during your second presidency and get people on board with that. So as the head of the Family Policy Council in South Carolina, I get a lot of phone calls and I get a lot of questions from from media across the country wanting to know about where do Christians, where does the faith community stand on the 2024 election. And folks, you understand this, the reason why South Carolina is so important, okay? We are the first in the South early primary state. There are four early primary states, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada. South Carolina will be the first for the Democrats. That's a whole other story. Jim Clyburn, <laughs> Joe Biden wanted to keep Gavin Newsom out of the mix. But since 1980... <laughs> With the exception of Newt Gingrich in 2012, Mm -hmm. since 1980, South Carolina has chosen the Republican nominee, and if the Republican nominee wins, has chosen the President of the United States. That has been, folks, for the last 42 years. That is a phenomenal track record for the state of South Carolina because the reason South Carolina is so important is because I, I say this all the time. They can go to Iowa, they go to New Hampshire. By the time they come to South Carolina, we love to chew people up and spit them out, and you know we'll see mm-hmm. where you do because we are a very retail political process. You are coming here as a presidential candidate for a one-year job interview. We expect to see you. We expect to hear from you. We expect you to talk about the issues. We expect you to listen to what we have to say and respond to our questions because it is that important for us. And the country recognizes how important South Carolina is in the process. You take a look at exactly what you said a moment ago. The Democrats have moved their primary in South Carolina to the very top of the list because Jim Clyburn has such a skill and an ability and network to be able to turn the political process on a dime Mm -hmm. and take a Joe Biden candidate who was in fourth or fifth place in 2020 Mm -hmm. and put him in first place and take him to the White House. Dave Wilson, president and executive director of the Palmetto Family Council, along with Justin Hall, our communications director, tomorrow will be joined by our colleague Mitch Prosser, and you will get a full feel yeah. for what it's like to do to listen to the fastest-growing conservative podcast in South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. We are grateful that our team can be here to uh, to spend the next couple of days with you as you get yourself ready for work, heading out the door. You're driving in. Are we having rain yet? Is it just kind of cloudy, Gary? I wasn't really paying attention. Not to yet, the but it's coming. It's oh, coming. wonderful. Be prepared for that in the afternoon drive. At least right now, it's not that bad. But it's really great to be with you. We have been talking this hour, Justin, about the fact that Donald Trump is coming to South Carolina mm-hmm. January 28th. Mm-hmm. He's coming mm-hmm. to the South Carolina State House to it's really on Saturday. to kind of kick off his, you know, it's his first real presidential appearance. He's doing it with Lindsey Graham and Henry McMaster. Keep in mind, the, the importance of Henry McMaster on that is this. 
Henry McMaster was the first elected official in America to endorse Donald Trump. Which led to Nikki Haley getting a UN position, which, which led to the, the lieutenant, lieutenant governor, governor being governor. To the governor's office. He finished out that term. He got re- he got elected for a full term. He just got reelected. It makes Henry McMaster the longest serving governor in South his, Carolina at, history. At the end of his term, he will have been the longest serving governor because he was the first person to the the political dominoes of being the first political Perfect. office holder to endorse Donald Trump's campaign turns around and a year and a half later basically i mean i'm I, okay got to be careful uh gets gets a nice little reward yes. for that and that nikki haley's um hey she's going to the un she's ambassador to the un and now henry's governor and and that's he what t- henry master has been wanting to do his, for entire, years. Career. his entire career uh, this this is the epitome for him and he he turns that into an election win in 2018 nothing's a given um, he beat out James Smith. James Smith, longtime representative from um, Richland County. Correct. Right. He beat out James Smith and Mandy Powers Norrell. Right. And then he parlayed that into an absolute thrashing <laughs> of of Joe Cunningham. We used to. So if you listen to our podcast, we ter- we phrased Joe Cunningham as the vice governor wannabe Correct. because there is no vice that he wasn't willing to make legal in South Carolina. Sports betting, marijuana. Abortion. Abortion. There were plenty of things. Make it all legal, tax it, man. Yeah. Make it all legal and tax it. Have fun. Hang loose. Good times. So, but back to the president. So, so the pres- so president, former president, former president uh, Donald Trump is coming to South Carolina. He'll be at the state house on the twenty eighth with Senator Graham, who's his great golfing partner. They love to golf. Together I hear about that all the time. All the time. <laughs> and Governor McMaster. Yes. And a lot of folks are going, okay, so in the light of what's going to be going on with the 2024 election, all of this starts to play out. And so there's some folks who say, listen, Trump's got this in the bag. He doesn't really need to do a whole lot because he's going to pick it right back up and it's going to be exactly where it was. And my fears, I've got a real honest fear, I would hate to see a replay of 2020 because I personally am, am of the belief that we need to let the process work itself out. You've got Kamala Harris, who is going down to Florida, of all places to talk about abortion, in Florida, in Ron DeSantis's backyard. You've got Mike Pompeo coming out with a book, turning around saying that Nikki Haley was trying to vie for a vice presidency slot. You've got Nikki Haley, who is saying, I'm getting ready to step out and most likely going to be running for president. Tim Scott. You've got Tim Scott, who is doing a phenomenal job of getting across the country to talk about conservative issues. John Bolton's also mm. running. Okay, so... <laughs> how how dare you bury the number one threat? <laughs> this is true. But there, you With know, a missile, by the, the way, John the, Bolton. But the important part of this, and you understand this if you have lived in South Carolina for any period of time, We have a responsibility, but we also have a privilege of being able to get up close and personal and have conversations with these candidates who are coming across the country. You cannot get to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue without coming to South Carolina. It's just impossible. And we want and expect candidates to not take that for granted. I think you're going to see that. But, you know, you've got some people who are saying, well, you know, we don't really need to worry about anybody else. 
And some people are wanting to shrug off the 2024 candidacy of Donald Trump. Kellyanne Conway, a former advisor to Trump, said this in an essay she had in the New York Times. She said, shrugging off Mr. Trump's 2024 candidacy or writing his political obituary is a fool's errand. He endures persecution and eludes prosecution like (laughs) no other public figure. That could change, of course. Though that cat has nine lives. And don't don't write off Kellyanne Conway because she was the first woman ever to orchestrate a winning presidential campaign. And she did it with a man who was down in the polls literally the entire time against Hillary Clinton. Then you had the Access Hollywood tape scandal, the whole deal there. Uh, we'll leave that alone. Um, and somehow he's he's in the White House. Right. Kellyanne Conway knows the landscape and she knows how these things go. Don't don't discount what she's saying. Right. And and that's a place where we have to realize and and the national the national media is looking at this going, what's going to be happening? Do you see Donald Trump just being able to take this? Do you have other folks who are going to be interested? You've got folks like Mike Pence. Yep. Mike Pompeo. You've got Nikki Haley. You've got Tim Scott. You've got Ron DeSantis. John Bolton. You've got John, John Bolton. <laughs> he's the only other one who's announced he's running. This is true. But I think it's really <laughs> important for us to say, hey, listen, new slate. Yep. It's going to be for the and, – and take this one-year job interview very, very seriously. Thinking about the debate stage. Can you imagine? I hope that they – you know – Donald okay, Trump and Mike <clears throat> Pence – that would be a very interesting combo right there, because because he's not he's not going to hold back on. Mike. Well, no, he's not. But here's the Former other part. Vice President well, Pence. here's the other part about it, and this is the part where when he pushes back against evangelicals, it really is a is a telltale sign because I know I have heard from dozens of people that we have met with in different meetings that we have had across the state of South Carolina. They said this. Listen, in 2016, I held my nose and I voted for Trump. But I was really voting for Mike Pence for vice president. Hmm. And to turn around and say, you know, if if you're not going to be standing with me, you're disloyal. For Trump to say, I'm being disloyal to the Trump brand as a faith person. I am not about the Trump brand. I'm about the Jesus brand. And I think that's an important thing for you to begin to realize. This is not about the cult of personality. This is about the truth of Jesus Christ. How do you live out the truth of Jesus Christ? How do you think about the issues from the standpoint of Jesus Christ? How do you approach other people from the standpoint of Jesus Christ? How do you turn around and and make a decision about who you're going to vote for, not from the cult of personality, but from the truth of who Jesus Christ is? And that's the important thing that needs to be done. We have to continue to move forward on that particular front. And so, you know, I, but, but it really kind of concerns me because, again, Donald Trump wants to take umbrage with the fact that 2022 was lost. He wants to blame it on evangelicals for not turning out what needs to be done for the abortion issue. But that's really kind of concerning for me because the one group that we didn't have showing up to vote on this issue on our side was young Gen Z's and specifically women um, that was a major a major issue um, it uh, they're not they in this midterm election they didn't break with the conservatives be interesting to see how 
they break in 2024 because a lot's going to happen between now and November of 2024. That's very true. But you know, a lot's going to happen. But when asked, when you know, there was a recent interview that was done where they were asked, you know, if you had the right to vote. Yes, uh, someone did like a man on the street interview, and he went around. He said, "I went to the Santa Monica Pier. I have a video right here. I won't play it. Uh, I went to the Santa Monica Pier to ask Gen Z women which they'd rather have: the right to vote or the right to an abortion." Of the short clip I saw, not a single one of them said a right to vote. They said, and, and one of them gave the ex- <laughs> one of them gave the reason. Well, we just had a baby formula shortage, and I wouldn't want to bring my child into that. So you, so 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 ending the life of the child's better, apparently. Then, um, you, you know, we were talking in the break. Gary made a very good point. He said, uh, well, you know, the same thing can be said. You know, rush hour traffic's terrible. I would not want to bring my child into a world where they get into a car accident. Now, I'm a Gamecock grad, and I said, well, I wouldn't want to bring my child into a world unless the Gamecocks are competing for national titles. It, you see how this goes. Right. You just give any arbitrary excuse for this, and if you want to talk about inflation as being the issue, stop electing the people who are driving up inflation. Bill has called in this morning. Good morning, Bill. Welcome to Christian Worldview. you got uh, Justin and Dave with you this morning. Good morning. Yes, a very good morning to you, uh, Mr. Dave and Mr. Justin. Uh, Mr. Dave, I think I had the privilege of being with you as a visitor at one of you all as you all traveled around the uh, um, the state last year. Yes, sir. I think I was. I think you all was in the great county of Pickens. We had been all had across the state of South Carolina. Yes, yes. I had the privilege of meeting you all. You all did a wonderful job. Well, thank you. I have a. I have a question uh, to both you and Brother Justin. I'm concerned when Fox News started, they say they were fair and balanced. They don't say that anymore. And it seems as though they are following what the more liberal national media network is doing. They are taking sides. What can we do as individuals to, to, to stop defending parties? And that's why I listen to Dr. Bean's program, this network. To stop defending parties and, 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 and stand for the truth of what's best for America based on as they say, the Christian worldview. Now, I'm my worldview is ethical monotheism, and 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 it just seems though people who are supposed to be followers of the way and leaders, we are falling into this same thing of defending parties rather than uniting people with the truth. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely. So as I'm a recovering journalist, uh, I was a television journalist for, for several years. Um, and, and so I can kind of come at it from a, a, a position of the media as we know it, Bill has really changed the last 30 years. You know, the days of Walter Cronkite and, and hard journalism are gone. 
you can't watch much local television. You can't watch mo- local television news without getting a repeat of what everybody else has, because there's not a whole lot of really good go out there, do the digging, do the work. And that's not to say that there aren't good journalists that are out there. There are some phenomenal journalists that are still out there. But when you start talking about especially television news organizations, we really need to call them television news attainment organizations because it's a blend of let's take the news and let's find an entertaining way of being able to talk about things and do so in a way that gins up ratings, gets people to watch, be a little bit salacious, be a little bit out there, because people talking about the normal everyday issues, they may or may not be paying attention to that. But if we make it big, if we make it a big issue, if we try to pit one side against another, now don't get me wrong, I understand. I do political commentary on the CBS affiliate down in Columbia every Thursday, and we talk about the issues that have gone on in the legislature on any on that particular week. Now, my colleague on on the the more liberal side of the aisle uh, can can sometimes get kind of combative. I finally came to the point of saying, let's really talk about the issues. Let's talk about it from a standpoint of the worldview that we bring them. You know, we bring from this. And and I said this before before we took the call there, Bill. It was you've got to be looking at things from not a not a Trump brand, not a Republican brand, not a Democrat brand, not a red brand, not a blue brand. You've got to look at it through the Jesus brand. You've got to sit there and ask yourself, and to be able to know and understand how to talk about issues, you got to spend time going into the Word. You've got to understand what the Bible actually says, not what the talking point says. Spending time reading your Bible and, and looking for and searching for answers. There are plenty of phenomenal commentaries that are out there. There are plenty of, of great people who are talking about issues. But understand, we are in a people business. Jesus was in the people business, not the politics business. He was in the business of what are we going to do to win souls. This has everything to do with recognizing the value of every single individual. That's why when we go to the state house, it is really for us. Um, th- there's a phrase that's, that, that we heard yesterday at a lunch called soul craft. You know, you, you hear things like the, I, the, he's a craftsman. He has a real great skill in that. We need to be in the, in the business of soul crafting, not of story crafting, not of politics crafting, but to be able to be out there and to recognize these are people who need Jesus as much as anything else. Before they need a bill passed, mm-hmm. they need Jesus. And that's really where we've got to start coming from. What do we try to do at Palmetto Family? You know, one of the things for us is we do try to at least be a news and information source on what's going on in South Carolina. Now, as you, if you've listened to today's, today's show, you, you know, we get kind of cheeky every now and then. We have fun. At, but at the same time, we want people to know and understand what the issues are, why they matter, what the Bible says about them, and what they can do about it. Because you've got to be a reflection of Jesus Christ in the community where God has you. That's an important part of what's going on. And that's why you listen to a show like Christian Worldview. That's why people you know, join what we're doing at Palmetto Family. If you'd like to learn more, go to palmettofamily.org. You can listen to our podcast on any of the podcast platform, Palmetto Family Matters Podcast. Download the Palmetto Family app. 
get connected and know what's going on because we go beyond the headlines to the actual sources, especially here in South Carolina. It has really been great to be with you this Friday. You yes. Know? But to end it with some Carmen is, oh. oh, man, that's all. You know, I saw Carmen in concert. Really? He came to Gaston, South Carolina, small metropolitan capital of Gaston. <laughs> and he did a concert at a church, small church. I'll tell you more about that after the break okay. when we get off the air. Small church, but it's Carmen, right? Carmen. I'd never seen him in concert before. He he put on a good show, and he and he died like a year later. So it was really? pretty cool to see him. He, my wife has a picture with him and everything. He was popular. Carmen in and, and Christian circles, mega superstar. Now they started in the seventies, eighties, eighties, and most uh, into, the, into the 90s. For most Christians, that was the only rap you listened to. That's true. Uh, but uh, there's still another the star. Case. Right there's still another. There's another star, Dave, that's yes. running for possibly running for Congress in 2024. Really. 90s actor Ben Savage. You remember him? Boy Meets World. Boy ben Meets Savage? World. Boy really? Meets World. Yes. Yes. Corey. Corey, Corey is running Ma- for Congress. Corey, Cor- Corey runs for Congress. Corey runs for Congress. I wonder Congress. what Mr. Feeney would say if he were still around. Um, he's 42. He's a registered Democrat for California's 30th House District seat. Now, wait, wait, wait. wait. Who's that seat held by? Isn't that Adam Schiff's seat? That is Adam Schiff's seat. Ooh, I would. That Adam, may actually be one I would support. Adam Schiff yes. might be running for Senate. Ooh. Because Diane Feinstein, Feinstein might be old. on her way. <laughs> I mean, I was just going to say might be on her way out. But yeah, she's old. I mean, but how about that Corey Matthews, Ben Savage, who, by the way, Ben Savage's older brother, Fred Savage from really? the Wonder Years. Yes, yes. What a tangled web we weave. Yes, yes, they're related. Big, big shows of the. 80s, 80s and 90s. 90s. Yes, yes. Wonder Years. Savage Wonder, Brothers. Wonder Years was 80s, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Boy Meets World was 90s. No, he is, however, they're saying right now he's just focused on getting married. Is he uh, marrying ben, Topanga? No, Ben Savage is not marrying Topanga. Wow, I thought he was uh, marrying Topanga. That was just on, that I was just that, on TV. Oh, that was just the show? That was just the show. Oh, okay. Dave, turns out that was not real life. Are you serious? Yes, that was not real life. But wait, so, but, but we do have, we do have um, uh, Kirk Cameron and his wife. Yeah. They dated on the show, and they then did. they got married. They did, but Kirk, again, that was you know don't get lost in shows of the nineties. But Kurt Cameron's awesome. Too. Yes, he is, and so is his, so is his sister Candace. Yes, she is. Cameron Burr, uh, Beret, 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 but anyway, not like the thing you wear on your head. I just wanted to close. Yes. I just wanted to close out my my part of the show this morning yes. with with something about Boy Meets World because any sort of nineties reference that I can give you is good. Also, we closed out with Carmen, so I'm just going to walk out of the studio now. In, in, in that particular case, <laughs> thank you so much for being a part of our day. As we kick off the last two days of this week, filling in for Dr. Tony Beam, who is in Washington, D.C., for the National March for Life. It is pro-life weekend, folks. Let us always remember, this is a, the right to life is the first right guaranteed to us, and we need to continue to push that forward day in and day out. Thanks so much for making us a part of your morning. We look forward to hearing and being with you tomorrow morning on Christian Worldview with Dr. Tony Bean.